Before we jump into today's episode of Survivor's Sanctuary, I want to let you know that you can become a supporter of this podcast and help offset some of the costs of bringing this podcast to you each week. You can visit anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary, click on donate, and you can give an amount starting at 99 cents a month and going up to $9.99 a month. If you love the podcast and you want to keep new episodes coming to you, then visit anchor.fm slash Survivor Sanctuary and become a monthly donor today. More than 20% of people in faith communities are survivors of childhood sexual abuse. But sadly, churches are often the last place a victim of abuse can find help and healing. I'm Kelly Downing, and my dream is a church where survivors like me and so many others can feel safe, be heard, and find healing. Until that happens, this is Survivor Sanctuary, a podcast for survivors of sexual abuse who are navigating the road to healing and for anyone who wants to be a part of the major heart renovation the church needs so that our faith communities can truly become sanctuaries for survivors. Welcome to another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. This is Kelly, your host, and this week I'm excited to dive back into our interview with Brian Holt. He is a pastor in Virginia. He pastors Emmaus Christian Church, and Brian has experience with being groomed as a young man in church growing up, and we're talking about how that experience has shaped the way that he pastors today. Well, we left off last time with me asking Brian the question, How do we tell the difference between a sheep who has just fallen into sin and someone who's not a sheep at all, but rather a wolf who is in the church seeking to devour young souls? So we'll pick right back up as Brian answers this question. I think that's a really tough question. I mean, it's 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 in some respects, it's simple, right? So if you look at Matthew 18, you see, all right, so you you bring something to them if they're unrepentant, you bring others and then you if if they're unrepentant you treat them as an unbeliever you you put them outside of the fellowship you don't give them the benefit of the community that is the body of Christ and so i think that's one thing that churches have not done well and i think the, the hard thing though i think is a lot of times predators will say oh yeah i'm so sorry right um, so it's it you know it's really one of those things that's kind of I wish I had the answer to that, honestly, because <laughs> um, it, it's like a discernment question. And then it's also a wisdom question, right? So if, so if, for one thing, it, it is easier if your church has a policy that like, if something is reported, we're going to disclose that to the authorities, right? So the churches that try to deal with that stuff in-house, that's, that's just a mess, right? So, but it's, if you say, Hey, if somebody discloses, we're going right, you know, I'm actually going to, I'm planning to say this in my sermon one of this whenever i get to it is it's great if you call me if something happens if your child you know i'm if this whatever happened but i should be your second phone call if any you know the, the first call should be the police um right that's we're gonna let them handle those things so you know when it comes to something that's criminal i think that that is probably a, a way that can save you to them from trying to figure out is this person really repentant or are they like a, just a great actor um right but, but honestly that's one of those i would like your advice on that actually <laughs> if you wouldn't mind <laughs> i don't know i i just find more and more like you said like just not trusting people when i look at what it takes 
to sexually abuse a child. To me, because of the planning and because Mm -hmm. of the deceit and because of the double life that has to go into that, I have so much trouble believing that a person like that is just a believer who fell into sin because it's the fruit, their entire life, literally their entire life is about who they have on the hook that they're grooming, who they're already abusing. And like in almost every story of a predator, they're immediately finding a church where they can get involved and lie through their teeth 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all for the purpose of deceiving every person that they know, including the people they're abusing. So I guess when I look at it that way, I I think there are some, some exceptions. And I think sometimes you have children offending against other children. Mm -hmm. And I think in cases like that, often that can be the beginning of a lifelong pursuit of abusing children. But it's also sometimes things happen to kids and they act out and they need counseling and they need therapy. And I think that that's a totally different ball game. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like, oh, we discovered this man is sexually abusing a child or multiple children and he's finally arrested for it. They say that by the time a perpetrator is arrested, they have already amassed probably over a hundred victims. And because it's just not, it's not something that people get caught for so much of the time because of the secrecy surrounding it. So I guess I just like Satan is the father of lies. He's the great deceiver. And when I look at somebody who spends their whole life trying to deceive everyone, especially people within the church, I have trouble believing that that person is actually just a person who has slipped up and sinned. They've literally dedicated their entire lives to destroying other people's lives and doing it through like this huge deception. So there's also the element of, can you believe anything that they say? Because Mm -hmm. the first thing a perpetrator does when they're caught is cry and say, Oh, I can't believe that I did this to these kids. I'm, I'm so ashamed of it. I can't believe I put them through this. And to me, it's a load of, it's just a load of crap. Like you're not, if you really cared about what was being done to kids at any point in the 30 years that you've been abusing children, you could have stopped and been like, Oh, I'm doing this. Maybe I should get help. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I guess maybe that's the cynic in me coming out. Well, I I think I'm right there with you, honestly, because I think there's, there's something about the nature of the gospel when somebody's life has been totally transformed that they do not have the desire to sin like that anymore. And almost to the point where they are maybe not in front of the whole church, but it's a part of their testimony. I've had, I've had people come to me and tell me that they struggle with same sex sex attraction and things like that. And, And it was something that they, they, you know, I'm not aware of anyone, but of course this is just my limited knowledge coming to a pastor and saying, I I struggle with pedophilia, right? Like that's right. That would be, that would be the first step for somebody who, who might, you know, this hypothetical person who's actually, you know, (laughs) but I'm still cynical of them, even in my hypothetical situation. Um, But I would think that that would be something where they would say, look, this is something that maybe I struggled with or had thoughts about. And, and I do not want this and I want to run from that. And I want to, I want accountability. And so, um, whether that's to a pastor or to a close friend and, and it's, it's a, it's something that's being struggled with 
not something that's being fed in the dark. And right. I, th- I think you're right. If something comes to light, that's almost like they're not, they're not upset that they did that. They're upset that they got caught. Right. And, and so at that point, you know, that's where I go. My first thought is probably they weren't a believer. I don't ever want to say that, but you know, that that's probably true. I, you know, I think that's right. one of those, that's one of those hard, hard things I think that's where churches have gotten trouble with this. I don't know how, how much to get into it, but uh, so many of your podcasts are coming to mind right now. So I'm trying, <laughs> trying to narrow this down, right but ahead. there's, you know, when it is, if, if you have a weak theology of conversion, then you're going to have a weak practice of forgiveness. If that makes sense. Like right. if, if your theology of conversion is, I, I just, said some words and prayed a prayer, you know, scripture talks about being made new and having a new heart and you're brought from death to life and you, you walk by the spirit and not by the flesh, right? We're, I'm, I've been preaching through Galatians right now. And so the works of the flesh are evident and the works of the spirit are, are evident in, in a believer's life. And so to just say, well, they, they said they're sorry, then that's what God calls us to forgive them. No, there's there's fruit that needs to be seen if if they're going to be brought back into fellowship and and, and that and all that stuff. So right. I think sometimes I think there's a weak theology of conversion can open a door for a lot of these kinds of waving the wand and and kind of like all right, you're back, you're good now, right? Um, no harm, no foul, kind of things. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it it makes total sense, and I think that that's what um, unfortunately that's what we're up against with so many churches is that that's the default. That's just the default mode. Like if you say you're sorry, and especially if you cry, like I will never forget uh, the email I got from the missions board director when he finally told me like after months of me trying to get them to do something, finally told me that they confronted the abuser and they said he was very, he was very repentant. He cried. Like he, he said mm-hmm. it as though <laughs> that was the big takeaway. Like, Oh, he, yeah. and he cried. So yeah. obviously it was just like, that was such a loaded like sentence there. He cried yeah. <laughs> like because I knew that in their mind, because he had cried, he must really be sorry for what he had done. And right. at the risk of sounding like a, just a bitter person who didn't want to forgive him, I already knew based on things that I had read and like researched that that's the first thing that every single predator does when they're caught is cry because they have to, they don't have a choice. Either they can be like belligerent and say, yeah, I did it. And so what, you know, or say, this is just a flat out lie. But then if they're cornered to the point where they absolutely can't lie because it's just very obvious, then it's like, okay, now the tears flow And I talk about how I just can't believe I did this and, oh, those poor kids that I hurt. And it's just, it's all an act. It's an act like the rest of their lives have been. So, yeah, when, when I would say, you know, if if I got a letter like that, it'd be like, he repented and he turned himself in. I'd be like, okay, there's a step, (laughs) you know, instead of like crying, crying and, and just at that point, it's just, um, you know, trying to manage the manage the fallout, you know, and protect the, uh, the reputation and try to appease those leaders so that they wouldn't, you know, escalate to a, to a higher authority as far as a criminal offense goes. 
Right. And that was actually a fear of mine. Not this has nothing to do with our our episode right now, but that was mm-hmm. actually a big fear of mine since you brought it up. Mm-hmm. Thinking that in Indonesia, there have been cases where people have been caught mm-hmm. molesting children and they have just been beaten to a bloody pulp and oh, just wow. horribly mistreated. And so that was like a fear of mine. Like if this gets out, what if, you know, something happened to him? What if he, mm-hmm. what if somebody killed him because of something that I said and this, like this guilt that you feel, mm-hmm. but at the same time, what happens to all the victims that he's going to keep having if I don't right. say anything, like what happens yeah. to them? And so it's just one of those, like that. it's tough. Well, it's, it's, it's crazy too, because you are carrying the fear that he should have had when he was abusing, right. you know, in that, like, it's just so it's like sad that, that here you are, which like you are the victim of his abuse and he has no disregard for, he's so confident in his abilities that he's, he's not, he's not feeling that type of fear that he should have, which is like, Oh man, that, that makes my heart break for, for victims because they, they, they carry the, they're taking on fear that, that that abuser should have had that, I mean, should have kept him, kept him from, you know what I mean? Like that should be in the first place. Yeah. 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 It's going, you know, that's that, I mean, that's just such a, and that tells you how callous and, and just, you know, you hate to throw around the word sociopathic, but like, if they have no, yeah, it's, it's very, yeah. I think I mentioned something like that in one of my last last couple of podcasts um, we were talking about survivors essentially are living out the consequences for the sins of the perpetrator Mm -hmm. and that's basically what you just said like we're carrying the guilt we're carrying the shame we're carrying all of what should be on their shoulders but it's on us and so the church can either help with that by treating predators the way they're supposed to and treating victims the way they're supposed to, or they can do what the vast majority of them do and make things even harder for the victims and mm-hmm. expect the victims. And I want to say, I don't know if it was something that your mom said in the podcast you did with her in like 2016. It was, I'm, I'm not positive that I remember exactly what she said, but it was something to the effect of, we don't want to damage the reputation of the church. So instead we damage victims. Like we just damage the people that, you know, are being victimized by predators. It's kind of crazy to me. They're, I mean, they're the collateral damage for, you know, supposedly protecting the name of the church, you know, you know, kind of an ironic thing. I I don't, I mean, this is a little off the, off the side topic, but it's just, it, it, I think it relates, you know, there was a quote that Mark Driscoll had at one point that was like, you know, this, you're either on the bus or you're off it. And, you know, there's a lot of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus. And he was kind of saying that I, I may be misquoting him, but I, like, and then, and then everything that happened there. Right. So, so it, in this, in the same right. way, like there's a lot of dead bodies behind this, you know, whatever, pick the name of the church and, 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 you know, his, in his analogy, there were people who couldn't get with the program and this analogy, they're, they're precious people who were victimized and, and swept under the rug at the name of protecting the name of Christ or, or trying, you know, saving, you know, 
people's souls will be lost if we disclose this information, which that's another thing I think you and Jimmy may have talked about that, but, um, you know, that whole, like, that's not, that's not the gospel. That's not, (laughs) that's no, (laughs) Jesus, Jesus does not need defending. You know, there's that quote, I think it was Augustine. That was like, he was talking about, he's talking about the scriptures, but he's like, you don't have to defend a lion. You just, you just let it out of its cage. Right. Right. You know, like, No, I think that you actually, it was in a comment that you said on the Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group after I I did the, that episode, um, Mm -hmm. where, you know, we're told like, we're going to keep people from getting into heaven if we tell about the Mm -hmm. abuse. And I think it was you that said, like, first of all, we don't save people. That's Mm -hmm. the God does that, you know, it's not up to us. And so we can't, we're not that powerful. Right. Um, which was something that just in those words had not really, you know, come into my brain. And I was like, you know what, that's, that's really true. (laughs) That's a really good point. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, some of those, some of those ideologies, I, I've I was never in an IFB church, but I've had lots of friends who were. And so there is that like, um, such pressure that comes from a, a, a belief that this is all up to me. Right. Like, so, so I've got to, I've got to do all this work and I've got to do all these, follow all these rules and I've got to protect Jesus's name. Like he's some kind of wimp who, who needs, needs defending by his creation really. (laughs) So, yeah, I think that's where there's a lot of kind of theological things that I think are the roots of some of these issues that have come out because of this. It's, it's a misunderstanding and misapplication of, of the word of God in a lot of ways. So. Right. And so many of it, uh, so much of it seems almost like church culture. It's mm-hmm. just that so much of what we do is just because that's our culture. It's the mm-hmm. church culture. It's like from the words we say to the way that a, a like worship pastor talks during songs like it's almost like it's all like this regurgitated stuff and we learn it from like Hillsong or Bethel music or wherever Mm -hmm. we're learning it from and then it just shows up in church it's like the following of trends and I think that that's almost like some of our issues with bad theology is just like we've gotten so used to these cliches and little like scripture band-aids and all that that they just seem like they're the truth when in reality like nothing could be further right i mean and it's kind of i mean not to go on another tangent but uh, you know again feel free you know when you're talking about manuthetic counseling there is a it's funny because you said it they they complicate it which is true but it's almost like they oversimplify it at the same time right, right. so if if everything, if all the problems in your life are because of your sin, like there's this oversimplification of the entire Bible, right? So where it's right. like, oh, it's, it's, it's this hyper focus on, on sin and, and forgetting all the, all the talking about justice. And when Jesus says, if someone causes one of these little ones to sin, like it's better if a millstone be thrown his, you know, around his neck and he'd be cast in the ocean. Like there's, there's justice and, and there's, it's, it's almost like there's, there's, we get hyper-focused on, on this one thing and they wanted to, I think Jay Adams, I don't, I don't know a lot about him. I've read one of his books, but you know, they, they had this belief in sola scriptura, right. And so, you know, scripture alone and they over, 
oversimplified that into like, oh, well, that applies to here and that applies to here and that applies to medicine and that applies to, you know, um, right. And instead of kind of taking in the whole counsel of God and being like, oh, there's, there's other stuff here too, <laughs> you know, that, right. um, you know, that, that kind of makes it nuanced or, or makes it, um, applied differently in different situations. So definitely. And I think also like, I know that some people can carry this, I don't know, to an extreme, but it's also like understanding the culture when the Bible was written and what certain mm-hmm. things mean and, and how they're, they're translated so differently based on where you are in the world, yeah. because that's what shapes your worldview. It's it, like your culture has shaped it. Your, your family has shaped it. Everything like where you are, the region that you're in has shaped it. And so mm-hmm. you can say a verse to a group of people in the States and they're like, oh, this means this. And then you say the exact same scripture to a group of people somewhere else. And it's not because in the States, everyone's smarter. It's because cultures mm-hmm. are so different that that's yeah. where the interpretations get kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. But yeah, people wanting to apply. I feel like God has given us brains and mm-hmm. he's given us wisdom like yeah. to to be able to discern things and and study things and people act like that the bible i guess is like a step-by-step manual for every single thing you should do in life Mm -hmm. and like you have to get up every day and live and there's not an instruction for that in scripture you know there are parts of life that you just you just gotta live and Mm -hmm. i think that when it comes to you're not i think i said it in in a podcast in the past but like you're not getting like instructions on how to perform open heart surgery in scripture. And yet we still do that. And we trust Mm -hmm. that God's given people wisdom and that they have studied and that they've learned, but you take the brain as an organ and then suddenly it's a totally, totally different ball game. Right. Then it ceases to be a bodily organ. And it's just like, we treat our brains almost the same way as almost like they're our spirit and our soul, you know, and parts of our brains just literally function as a part of our body. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, it's interesting too, you know, when the, I mean, the kind of that whole mindset of just trust Jesus and the pain will go away. It's kind of, I think that's kind of how, somewhat how you said kind of the message from the church is like, well, you just need to trust Jesus more and and your, your trauma will go away. And it's like, no, like (laughs) that's, that is such an oversimplification and, and, and a misinterpretation of it. Like, we think that we can just put a little bandaid on it, but there's, there's so much, I mean, even as I'm preparing this series, I'm, I'm looking at the rape of Tamar and there's, there's like, you can see the predatory behavior in there. You can see victim blaming. You can see like all of these things that it's just, it is frustrating. I, I think sometimes that that's, that's where to oversimplify something as, as complex as trauma or as, or as your, your brain. I mean, the things that they're learning now about neuropathways and and just all the 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 way that your brain is wired is right it's it's just beyond like a simple well just you just need to trust Jesus more and that'll go away like yeah exactly so like i you know diabetics and their hormones mm-hmm. are out of balance and their thyroid yeah. isn't producing things the way it should and like all of that makes sense but then if somebody's brain doesn't have access to the serotonin that it needs. And so Mm -hmm. somebody might need medication or therapy, you know, it's like that we just, we bulk at. And I feel like as time goes on, we're going to come out of that as, Mm -hmm. as it comes more to the forefront and like the science behind things. I mean, it's, 
in my mind, it's God created our brains. They're fascinating and they do amazing things. Like I read once and I could not even begin to try and recount what I read, but basically Mm -hmm. like how a thought like happens in your brain. Mm -hmm. And it was like the weirdest thing in the whole world, but it's, it all comes down to like how our brains were created to work. And like any other organ in our body, they can malfunction and they can have, you know, serious problems. And I, I hate that, you know, survivors, they have to take so much on their shoulders already. And then we're also heaping this like shame for them not becoming magically well just mm-hmm. by trusting God. We're, we're putting that on their shoulders too. Like, well, if you trusted God more, you wouldn't have anxiety because, you know, anxiety is a lack of trust in God. Depression is living in the past and anxiety is living in the future. It's like, thank mm-hmm. you for that. Except <laughs> that's not even, it's not even a little bit true. Right. Actually, most of my anxiety probably comes from my past because my brain learned to be very fearful of certain things and it thinks it's protecting me by like, oh, let's set off all these alarm bells. Um, right. But yeah, people oversimplify. You're, you're yeah. very right about that. Well, it's like the, those, you know, the things that, and it's kind of like if you take the book of Proverbs, right? So Proverbs are general truisms. Like they're, they're, a lot of people will read them as promises, but they're, they're not. Like, so one of the most, you know, under, overquoted um, things is like train up a child in the way that they'll go. And when they're older, they won't depart from, and that's a general truism, but it's not a promise, right? Cause I mean, I think all of us have seen kids who are trained up well, <laughs> oh, yes. who have, who have not s- stayed with the faith or not, not become Christians, but, but it's kind of a general truth that like, yeah, you raise your kids, right. And like that, that things will go well for them. But if something's been short circuited by trauma or by some kind of whether it's sexual abuse or some other trauma, like that's something that it needs to go deeper as opposed to being like, well, this, this still applies. Like this, you know, you can't just go, well, it's yeah. I don't know. You know, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just that right. oversimplification that, well, there's general truisms in health, right? If I eat a certain type right. of diet, I should, I should lose weight. But, with DNA and with like you know, all kinds of different things. And you mentioned diabetics. I have a, I have a son who's type one and wow. you know, when, when he gets cranky or irritable, the first thing we do is like, what's your blood sugar, dude? Like what, right. you know, we don't, <laughs> that's cause we realize like it's, it's obvious, you know, it's, it's clear when, when he's high and, and uh, he's just, you know, cranky. And I can't just say quote necessarily quote scripture to him. There's times where he's wanted to, talk about stuff or argue things. And I'm like, no, we're not talking until you get your blood sugar down because until then you're just not a normal human person. It's like some people, you can't talk to them until you feed them. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, I mean, hangry is a, is a word on like for a reason, right? It really is. In my family though, people like cry when they're hungry. Like it just goes beyond like anger. It's like, they're literally like weeping mm-hmm. because they need to be fed. So that's fun times, but oh yeah. There's, we could probably like talk about this forever mm-hmm. because there are so many ways that the, the church at large is just, is getting it wrong. And I, the desire of my heart that, that we would change, you know, and yeah. actually offer hope to people who are hurting and actually help people heal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why it's so encouraging to me when you hear 
of pastors who actually care about it. It's almost like, like it's so rare. And again, not to knock the church, but it just is like, that's just the reality. You know, you could talk to somebody. I, I tried to talk to the, the pastor, an interim pastor of the last church I attended. They had one of their youth volunteers, again, kind of like in your situation, he wasn't officially in like on staff, but he right. worked very, very closely with the youth and he was arrest, arrested for sexually assaulting a teenager. And wow. it was like the church just kind of wanted to hide and they were all, and I wanted to let them know, like, listen, this is something that I do. And I, there are resources for you guys and people you can talk to and that can help. And I just like, I tried to say something and it was just like, I was met with this basically go away type mm. of a thing, which I eventually did because it was like, they just did not want to hear anything. Right. And kind of fabricated what I'd actually said as justification for how they treated me. And it's just like, when you go through stuff like that, and then there's like, oh, Brian Holt is preparing a sermon series on abuse and is concerned for, you know, the people. It's just, it's a really good feeling. And for a while there, I was like, okay, Jimmy Hinton is the only pastor I know of in the world who does this. And then he's talked about some pastors that he's worked with that have actually had him come to their church and who really cares. So it's like, it is changing, but it's like little, you know, little tiny changes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not in any of the, like the church, church growth manuals. Right. So right. Um, anybody who's trying to grow their church and that's their focus uh, is not, not going to be focused on this, but you know, I think, I think guys like Jimmy and, um, and others who, and I'm not putting myself necessarily in this category, but who who are just more concerned with caring for their caring for the people who are in their congregation like that. To me, that's, that's what, that's what a pastor's heart should be. You know, I think one of the things I mentioned in one of my comments was like, we have this idea of these people who might come to the church. So we don't want to, we, we don't want to taint their view of the church because there's this person that's in front of them has disclosed something. So we, we protect the, the reputation of the church because, you know, we don't want these hypothetical people to think that Jesus is not good. But meanwhile, there's like a hurting person right in front of you. Like you've been charged to care for that person, not some hypothetical person who may someday come to your church. It's, it's the people who right. are in your midst who you're called to, to shepherd. So it kind of reminds me of like churches I've been in in the past. Like I, I worked at a church where the pastor was just like, it was all about growth. It was just yeah. getting butts in the seats and doing whatever was necessary. Like, you know, if, if we gather food for the poor, you're sending out a press release. So get that out by Monday, you know, mm. that kind of a thing. It was just like growth, 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 growth. And then the people in the church were treated very differently based yeah. on what type of people they were. It's kind of that mentality, like only the strong and mm -hmm. like the people who are like have got it all together and they've got money and they've got, you know, their lives are in order and they're just like those go-getters. And those are the people we're going to serve in our church. And anyone who doesn't have a lot of money or who has these struggles that they can't seem to get over, we're going to just kind of keep them in the background as much as possible mm -hmm. because we have to deal with them, but it's not going to be our desire to actually minister to them. Because right. what are they going to do for us? Like, that's what it comes right. down to. What is 
what is the hurting person going to do for the church? That's it's an easy trap to fall into, for sure. It is, but I, mm. I I'm encouraged. I feel like um, I wanted to ask. When you do this sermon series, is it going to be like recorded or posted anywhere where we might be able to find it? Yeah, so our, we do live stream our services, and we have oh, a YouTube nice. page. Um, and I usually try to get the sermons on YouTube the week of <laughs> the week that they're preached. I'll have it up, and and if you want, I can I can post the link to the services in the Facebook group if you want. Absolutely, and Brian, thank you so much for joining us today on Survivor Sanctuary. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. We've been chatting with Brian Holt. He is the pastor of Emmaus Christian Church in Virginia, and you can find him at EmmausChristianChurch.org. You can also find them on Facebook. And of course, I am going to put links in the show notes to make it easier for you. Well, that is what we've got today. Thank you so much for joining us on Survivor Sanctuary, and I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Survivor Sanctuary with me, Kelly Downing. If you found value in today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. Not only will it put a big smile on my face, more importantly, your reviews will help make it easier for other survivors and survivor advocates to find this podcast. Also, make sure you subscribe to Survivor Sanctuary wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also join the conversation in our Survivor Sanctuary Facebook group. And for exclusive content, be sure to visit SurvivorSanctuary.com. Join me next time for another episode of Survivor Sanctuary. See you then.